Welcome to the Cross Loganville's podcast channel. Thanks for joining us as we continue our series on Ephesians. Hey, good morning, guys. If you've got your Bible or the ESV journal or the Version Bible app, whatever you're using, I would invite you to turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians 6 is where uh, we'll land today. And let, let me say this, vision casting over the next few weeks. Next week, we'll be in verses 5 through 9. I want to talk about the importance of developing healthy relationships. That passage talks about really whether you are the owner of a business or whether you're employed. It talks about our attitude of all working together to glorify God. And so developing healthy relationships in our culture today is so needed. I'm going to speak into that space. Now, once we go into the month of March, the entire month of March, I will be in verses 10 through the remainder of the chapter. It talks about putting on the full armor of God so that we can stand against the evil. We're living in troubling times, and we need to know how to walk in the power of the gospel in the midst of all the turbulence that we find ourselves living in today. So the entire month of March, I'm going to talk about the armor of God. I would encourage you, I sent out a note to people that have sent me friend, uh, friend requests, if you will, on the Uversion Bible app. There is a 37-day on the Uversion Bible app under the devotional plans, a 37-day uh, devotional plan by Rick Warren. If you go to uh, the plans and type in warfare and just jog down, you will see the spiritual warfare one that Rick Warren has put together. It's a 37-day uh, approach. We're starting that on March 1st. I would encourage everyone to make that a daily uh, part of your journey, okay? If you don't know how to do the Uversion Bible app, see Dustin or someone at the end of the service in the Connect Center, and we will help you. It's such an important tool. So then we roll into April. April 4th is Easter, and uh, that's going to be a powerful time. And, and you need to be inviting friends and family members and others to be live with us or online in regards to the, the putting on the armor of God peace after we come out of Easter. I mean, that's such a huge day of, uh, of really uh, emphasizing the gospel, if you will. We're, we're kind of expository teaching here. Everything we do is gospel-centered, but it's a great way to invite lost people to hear the gospel as we talk about the glorious resurrection of Christ. Then, starting on April 11th, I'm going to build off of the armor and do a six-week series on spiritual warfare. And again, you would have read Rick Warren's, we want you to be equipped to be able to stand firm in the midst of all the opposition you face. Make sense? So let, let, let's, 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 let's really dive in together and, and let's lean into the Lord and press into the Lord and become who God wants us to be because we need to be clothed and ready for battle right now. The world we live in is not a playground, it's a battleground. And so many people are ignorant and oblivious to the warfare and the schemes of the enemy. It's going to be a great time, okay? Ephesians 6. Today, this is going to be a powerful time as we talk about walking with God uh, as a family. And I want you to hear this loud and clear. I personally believe that our greatest desire as parents the ones of us in this room that are parents, I believe our greatest desire for our kids, it's not that they would be wealthy. It's not that they would be famous. It's not that they would be some rock star entertain, uh, entertainer. I believe the greatest desire that we have as parents is to see our kids in a vibrant living relationship with Jesus Christ and being useful for the kingdom of God. That's what I believe, and I believe that's what you want to see. Fame is fleeting. Wealth comes and goes, materialism. But Drew, what we want to see, we want to raise up that next generation. And so with what Rick is doing in uh, Cross Student Ministries, with our preschool ministry and everything we've got going on, we want to raise up that next generation to see people flourish. Now, here's a little tidbit for you. Did you know that the average cost of raising a child 
for a middle-income family in the U.S., raising that child until they reach the age of 18 will cost you about $245,000. I multiplied that by five, and I was like, wow, $1.2 million. And my kids want to know why I hadn't got the latest rims or the coolest threads, because I'm raising your butt. That's the reason why. <laughs> Do you realize that raising one child is $13,500 a year? It's about what we invest in them. That's $1,150 a month. That's $275 a week. That's $40 a day. Now you know why I can't spend money on coloring my hair. <laughs> but I will tell you this, raising a family is costly, but it is worth it because children are a gift of the Lord. And a lot of people have concluded that if you want to be rich and have a lot of uh, materialistic stuff, then, then just don't have kids. I can promise you kids are a beautiful thing. For $245,000, you get naming rights. You get first and last name, Papa Dean. And I started thinking about this. How my great-grandparents decided to name my grandpa Claudie and his twin sister Maudie, they got the naming rights. I was like, praise the Lord, that name didn't get passed down to my generation. But one of the cool things you get, you get glimpses of God every day. You get to see life develop. You get to hold that little hand that's covered in peanut butter and jelly. You get to do that. Put a price tag on it. What a beautiful thing. You get to play hide and seek. You get to catch lightning bugs. You get to hang pictures on the refrigerator. I never could teach Barb this game, but you get to teach them how to play pool my finger. I was all state in that a few years ago. But you get to be a hero, a hero for getting the ball off the roof. Rachel, I got to be a hero for climbing up on a trash can to get your cat Arabella off the roof while you stood in the driveway and cried your eyes out, Arabella's on the roof. They read a book, Hotel Cat, and that's how they came up with the name Arabella. I thought it was a cool name until it was a boy cat, and we changed his name to Arafella. <laughs> but part of the, the journey is you get to take the training wheels off the bike. You get to teach them how to drive. And a few of my kids teaching them how to drive increased my prayer life greatly. <laughs> right? You get a front row seat to a first word and to a first step. Put a price tag on hearing that little one say, Dada, for the first time. Ah, oh, mama. Come on, girls. I mean, come on. That does something to your heart. Now, teenagers, young people, and even older people like me, listen to me. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Children, can I tell y'all something? At the age of 58, I am still a children. Going down to Noonan last week, February 9th, dad turning 79. My mom will be 80 this year. Man, to sit down as a child at my mom's table I'm still her boy. And for her to put that crackling cornbread in the oven in that old cast iron skillet that she's been cooking in for 58 years, it will make you want to slap your granny. <laughs> her coleslaw is the best. I mean, all that soul food, pintos and collard greens. And I'm like, I'm still her little boy. And so I don't care what your chronological age is in here today. My kids know it. We go down to see mama or nanny. After we eat, we're sitting there talking. Mom sits on the sofa. I'm always going to sit on the floor in front of my mom 
and lean back as she scratches my head because I'm still a children. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And he goes on to say, the first commandment with a promise. What is the promise we get for honoring and obeying our parents in the Lord? He says, so that it may be well with you. Do you realize when you obey your parents and honor your parents, there's a calmness in your soul? And he goes on to say, so that you may live a full life on the earth. I don't care how old you are. Honor and obey your parents. My mom, again, I love her. I have never degraded her. I've never talked down to my mom. She's my mama. She took care of me. She nursed me. She changed those cloth diapers way back. Come on, young generation. Well, these huggies and pampers stuff, come on. Y'all don't know what a mess is in raising a baby. Honor your parents. Let me tell you something. As teenagers in this room, young adults, uh, I can promise you this. Your parents want the very best for you. Paul is writing to the church. Now I realize there's some of us that grew up and it was kind of a godless culture or whatever. But if your parents are really plugging in and seeking the heart of the Lord, I can promise you they want what is best for you. They want to see you flourish. And one of the advantages that we have as parents is this. And I know it's hard to believe. But we, once upon a time, used to be a teenager. The dude standing in front of you once upon a time was a teenager. We know. And we know based on personal experience that it's very easy for your desires to become immoral, destructive, and corrupt. We know that based on personal experience. We know that what you want and what you chase after is not always good. We know that based on personal experience. Uh, we know that your vision for life is restricted. We know that you've had limited experiences. So a lot of times when parents are trying to speak into the life of their kid, we, we, we're trying to help you. We, we know the pitfalls. And I promise you, we want what is best. But when you ignore and rebel against your parents, you're sinning against God. It is a spiritual issue. When you choose to look at your parents and rebel against them and ignore them, you're not walking in freedom. You're not walking in independence. You're walking in ignorance and rebellion. When you would rather go against their authority and pay attention to the world's authority, and you think being cool is wearing what's in and using the language of the world or listening to the corrupt, perverted lyrics that are in so many songs today, you're not free. You're submitting to a different authority, and you're starting to walk in bondage. And I've seen some that walked away from the Lord and walked away from desiring to honor their parents, and they never, never came back. Death took them out. OD took them out. Drunk driving took them out. And it is so easy for us to think that we know more than we do. The world is going to throw stuff at you. Peer pressure is a real thing. Peer pressure is a real thing, and it's really based on fear pressure, the fear of missing out, the fear of not fitting in, the fear of being by yourself. And there's so many that will disregard the instruction of the Lord and what God has to say and go with the world. My question is, why listen to the voices that want to ruin your life and rip you off when there's voices in your world that really want to see you flourish. One of the things that's a heartbreak for a parent is to see the rebellion inside the heart of a child when you know that they're gravitating toward a rip-off system of the world. John 10 says the thief comes only to steal, to kill, 
and to destroy. I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. So it would be wise to honor God and honor our parents. Those that are walking with the Lord, I promise you we want what is best for you. So walking worthy, walking worthy that this entire from chapter 4, even now is talking about walking worthy as a teenager and walking worthy as a child and walking worthy before the Lord is honoring the parents. Honor your mom and dad. The word honor means to give incredible weight and value to what they say. That's what the word honor means. It means to place incredible weightiness on it. And God's called us to do that as children. He's called us to do that. Because, again, when you choose to rebel and disregard and dishonor, you're sinning against God. You're quenching the Holy Spirit. You're eliminating the freedom that God wants to bring about in your life. Now let me say this. Y'all take heart on that. Because again, I am a child. I love my mom and dad. I want to honor my mom and dad. And I don't regret that. Okay? As they watch online down in Noonan, dad restricted pretty much to a lazy boy. I want him to look and go, that's my boy. He honors me. Is that what you want? Is that what you desire? Or do you want to live in rebellion and foolishness and sin against God? Reality is having kids is fun. Raising kids, you have to be intentional. Raising kids requires effort. There's moments of celebration. There's moments of heartache. It's not always easy, but it's worth it. As arrows in the hand of a warrior is children in the quiver of a warrior. I'm like, yes. We get to shoot those arrows into the world. So the word of God gives us a ton of principles that we're to adhere to and pay attention to. And I want you to hear me loud and clear. Fathers, verse 4. Do not provoke, exasperate your children to anger. It is not our job to try to just jaw and be sarcastic and put them down. We want to raise our kids up. We want to raise up that next generation. We want to see them flourish. Fathers, do not create a hellhole for your family to live in, but bring them up and train them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Adam, we have a responsibility as dads to shepherd our home and to make sure that we're bringing up our family in the instruction, the discipline, the fear and admonition of the Lord. Benjamin made the statement last week of many of the kids he works with in high school that the parents are not even there in the picture. Uh, moms and dads, marriages have fallen apart and kids are left to do whatever they want to do. And Josh, I know you've seen that in working with NG3. And I would tell you this, it starts with us. It starts with us parents. We have a very weighty responsibility before the Lord to do what is right. Psalm 112 verse one says, blessed are those who delight in doing what the Lord commands. He's talking to dads. He's talking to men in this text. Blessed are those men who really have a desire to dwell in the presence of God and do what God says. Then he goes on to say, their children will be successful everywhere. Their children will be successful when dads are shepherding the home. Hey, you're praying for favor. You're praying... You've got the option that you can rebel against that authority. But if you start walking in that, it's amazing how kids become blessed by being brought up in the fear and discipline of the Lord. God instructs us dads to shepherd our homes. God instructs us to lead our homes, and it can only happen if we're passionately following Jesus. If you're in a dating relationship, that that implies to you today 
You should be leading that dating relationship, leading it, knowing that you're going to walk into marriage, understanding the weightiness that God places on men to lead that home. We cannot pass on to our children what we do not possess. And what we realize is this. Kids are watching every day. What you say is inferior to what you do. It's been said that what you're doing speaks so loud, I can't even hear what you're saying. So the foundation for a great marriage and the foundation for successful parenting is making sure that you put Christ above all else. I would tell you this, as you put Christ first, you've got to make the word of God your standard and final authority. You've got to. God's word is full of instruction. It amazes me that we're living in such a postmodern, reckless culture today where people feel like they can go to self-help and secular writings to find how to do parenting, how to do finances, how to do marriage, whatever. The word of God is saturated on how to do finances, how to do marriage, how to do parenting. The word of God is saturated with principles and truths because God wants to see us flourish. For so many, even in the church over the years, I've noticed that for so many people, they parent based on tradition. Well, this is the way my mom raised me and my grandma raised me. And if you don't step back and go, hold, hold, hold on, why am I doing it that way? I'm not saying we don't love our parents, but sometimes we have to realize my mom and dad, my dad did not come to faith in Christ until he was 21 years old. We were not taught the word of God. We did not fellowship. We did not live a life built on Christian community growing up. Didn't do that. I remember my dad when I was like five, six years old, him and mom washed my mouth out with soap because I was cursing. Guess where I heard it from? A lot of parents are based, uh, parenting uh, just based on guessing. Man, I'm just kind of winging it, trying to figure it out. Make the word of God your standard. Don't negotiate with the word of God. And I would tell you this, realize Realize that a strong marriage adds stability to a child's life. It is hard raising kids when you have a strong marriage because you're raising little sinners. But it's almost impossible to raise children when your marriage is shaky. If you don't have a strong marriage and if you're not singing off the same sheet of music and you're not on the same page, I can promise you it is very difficult. That's the reason as we looked last week on marriage covenant, you better make sure that you don't go into that thing unequally yoked and, and you better make sure that your core values and the biblical foundation of truth is what you're gonna build your marriage on. And I've seen so many marriages, man, just so shaky and they wonder why kids are so shaky and so unstable because what you're modeling is, is a roller coaster ride of how to do life and it becomes very, very difficult. We're trying to shape that next generation. I would say strengthen your walk. I would say solidify your marriage every day. Chad and Elaine are getting ready to start a new track next week and I would encourage you, hey, we've been married for a while. Go. Hang out for six weeks and say, man, help me. I'm trying to get more tools in the toolbox. I'm trying to get more tips. I'm trying to strengthen our marriage. And I've got blind spots and there are things we need to work on. We're going to offer that for six weeks. And I would highly encourage you to take advantage of that. Ronnie and, and Jenna have a marriage a group going on for young married couples right now. And if you're dating and almost at the point of getting married, you should reach out to Ronnie and say, hey, I know this is more young married, but hey, it applies with where we're at. We want to be a part of that because we're trying to figure it out and get the right blueprint. I would tell you, go back and listen to what we've talked about over the last weeks in our walk in regards to marriage. All of the messages are online. As a parent, and this was a revelation for me uh, right after Barb and I got married and we had our first child, I had to realize what my first child's greatest need was. I had to realize what all of my children's greatest need was. Their greatest need was not a bike or a trike or a ball or a Barbie. My little kids were born into the world self-seeking sinners. And their greatest need was an encounter with Jesus Christ. 
And I think a lot of times we just kind of say, well, they'll, they'll figure it out later on. I don't want them to figure it out later on. I want them to get it as quick as they can. I want them to understand that your greatest need is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And the quicker you can tap into that, the better off you're going to be. I promise you, walking with Jesus will save you so many heartaches and troubles along the path. Every child I meet, I know their greatest need is a relationship with Christ. That's my greatest need. you got to model it, guys. You model prayer. You model worship. You model transparency in your walk with Christ. It carries so much weight. I wrote down some words like, what do you model? I want to model availability. Are you available? I want to model believability. They look and go, what he says he does. I, I want to model being content. You can't tell your children to be content if you're constantly chasing after the next horizon of whatever the toy is, the trinket is. Hey, hey, be content with what you have. Well, you're not content with what you have you've got to model compassion discernment faithfulness these are all key things how about forgiveness you're telling your children to learn how to forgive one another or forgive a, a friend and you hold on to bitterness and resentment how's that working that's what we're modeling how about generosity hey you got to learn to share do you give do you tithe are you faithful are you generous it's hard to teach a, a kid how to be, be generous, and it's a contradiction of the way I'm living. I can't ask you to do that. I'm not doing it. Or I can tell you, but I don't practice it. How about honesty? Yeah, that's a big one, humility. And then you get into the fruit of joyfulness and kindness and love and peace. And it's like, do I model those things? Am I obedient to the Lord? Do I exercise patience? Do I really walk with self-control and wisdom? Those are things, man, I just look at in my own life going, you, what you do speaks louder than what you say. What you do speaks louder than what you say. I didn't grow up in the church. I wasn't taught the word of God. But my mom modeled so much of that. She had an early introduction to the faith and got reengaged later. But I remember I put my mom through hell as a teenager. I remember I lived reckless. I had late nights and a lot of alcohol consumption back in the day. And my mom to this day has never had a drop of alcohol in her life. She saw the ruins and destruction. So when she's sitting on the porch at three o'clock in the morning with me hammered and she's loving me and she's caring about me, She's modeling grace. She was modeling love. She was believing in me when I couldn't see past me, when I was stuck on me. I look back on those days. I'm like, Mom, thanks. Thanks for being who you are. Thanks for even when you came to faith in Christ. You model so many virtues of the gospel. So proud of you because it helped me when I was reckless, when I was living for the moment. And you know what I learned? True love is not giving your kids what they want. It's giving them what they need. And what I needed in so many of those moments was a person that says, I believe in you. You're better than that. You're lowering your standards, son. I needed that. And then I needed my dad's approach. When I'm sitting on the porch and she's crying her eyes out because it was dollar pitcher night and we just had to do it. And he grabs me by the stinking throat and slams me up against the wall. Raising hell, coming in here acting that way. I brought you into this world and I can bring another one in that looks just like you. You better straighten yourself up. I needed that. He didn't grab me because he hated me. He grabbed me because he loved me. He grabbed me because I was breaking his heart. We've got a model for our kids. Hey, I love you. 
I've had people tell me, I can't even look at my child. They're so reckless and rebellious and they've sinned so grossly and I, I can't even look at them. I know it hurts. I know it hurts. But how does God look at you when you jack it up? How does God view you when you've totally messed it up? And whatever face you see is crucial. I love you. You don't have to live that way. I love you. You're destroying your life and creating so much collateral damage of ruins around you. I love you. If you had to fill in the blank with this, it's like God is pleased with me because blank. If you wrote that down, God is pleased with me because of blank. Well, because I go to church and I read my Bible and because I give and because I, I didn't cuss but twice last week and because if you put anything in the blank, Outside of God is pleased with me because of Jesus Christ. God, you are pleased with me because of your son. You're not pleased with me based on my behavior. Your son died for me. Your son loves me. Once that took root in my heart, God is pleased with me because of his son. It was God's good pleasure to nail his son to the cross. I love you because of what my son has done. You couldn't work your way to me. Now, because he loves you and I'm pleased with you, don't you want to honor me? And I will tell you this. If you're a single parent, my heart goes out. I, I don't know the weightiness and demands on that. I, I don't know what it's like, Sandra, trying to raise boys as a single mom. I... I, for many of y'all in this room, I, I don't know, Angela, what it's like. I, I don't know the pain at times that you feel and the lack of masculine support that you would benefit from, from a godly man being with you that didn't bolt. I, I don't know. I, I don't. But I will tell you this. I would highly encourage you, if you're a single parent in this room today and you've gone through a divorce, I know one thing. I know degrading and slandering the other person who's no longer in the home is detrimental for your kids. I, I know that doesn't work. And I do know one of my single moms that were in, was in the first service, I know her and Barb talk a lot, and having some other godly people that you can pray with and process with, we've got a lot of people that would walk with you. Hey, man, I need some help. And I don't understand how hard that is, but we love you and we want to see you win there. And there's people that will walk with you. That being said, in regards to not slandering and putting the other person down, one of the things I would tell you as parents that we can do is be encouraging to our kids. You can speak a word of blessing. You can speak a, a word of weightiness on them that provides a future and a hope for them. Here's what we do with words. Life and death is in the power of the tongue, Scripture says. And if we could get this one right here, it would free us up. Words create worlds. The words you're speaking, whether they be words of blessing and encouragement or praise into a person's life, every word you speak is creating a world. It's either creating a world of peace and harmony and unity or it's creating a world of disruption and chaos. Our words create worlds. Now, be encouraging. There's a difference between praise, Jen, and encouragement. Praise is when you look at that person and you go, Hey, I'm so proud of you for what you did. I'm so proud of you for the game you had. I'm so proud of you for the grade you made. That's praise. Encouragement is saying, I'm so proud of who you are. Praise is always behavior. 
Dean, I'm proud of who you are. That speaks of character and the heart. Be encouraging. I love who you are. You're not, act, you're not acting in cons, a consistent way with who you are, but I love who you are. And I know what you can become, and I want to see you flourish. Speak life. Speak direction. Speak hope. As a young boy who was getting ready to graduate from high school, I went to this baseball trial thing. Major League Baseball had one. Man, I didn't know how to go to college. I didn't know how to play college ball. I didn't know how to get my foot in a door. I didn't know how to be seen. I didn't know any of that stuff. But they're like, go to this tryout. I'm like, I'll go to that tryout. And the Pirates had a scout there that day. And he goes, hey, I want to see you throw again tomorrow. I said, I can't come here. I got a game. I'm coming to watch you play. I'm like, really? Go home and tell my dad. Dad, this dude told me he was coming to watch me. He goes, "Uh, you think he's telling the truth? I'm like, we play at 1 o'clock tomorrow. I'll let you know at about 1.30 whether he's telling the truth or not. And he came. He made a couple of calls for me. He called this one college. And he called this college coach. And the college coach then called me. And he said, hey, Boyd Odom, he told me he likes the way you throw. I'd like to see you throw. I'm like, where? He goes, come to our college. And I want to see you warm up. And I want to see you work out for me. I'm like, cool. I go there. I'll never forget. I got on the mound through for the guy when I was done. He goes, I want to sign you. So sign me to what? I, I, I want to sign you to a scholarship. I'll take care of all your tuition and books and everything else. And uh, I'll, I'll give you a job working work study here. You just rake the pitcher's mound. I'll give you 15 hours a week. Minimum back then was about $3 an hour. That's $45 a week. That, that'll help pay for food. There's still going to be a few out of cost, but I want you to come here and play. I go home and tell my parents, you're not going to believe what happened, and da-da-da-da-da, and this guy wants to sign me. And my dad goes, i tell you what I'll do. As long as you bust your butt and give it everything you've got, I've got the difference. I'll help you any way I can, but you better bust your tail. I'm 58 years old. I look back on that conversation as a 17-year-old, and it was a weighty statement my dad made. If it meant hanging another piece of drywall or having to sand another piece of sheetrock or stipple another ceiling to put an extra few dollars in there where his boy could chase his dream. I was like, man, he believes in me. He wants to see me flourish. And you never know that your words are creating worlds. And little did my daddy know when he spoke that into my life that four years would be paid for. Little did he know that a man who's never been on an airplane a day in his life, that the world would open up and it would take me to New York and it would take me to California and it would take me throughout the U.S. It would take me to Canada. It would take me to Bangkok. It would take me to Korea. He, he never knew, as a little 17-year-old dude, that his words was creating a world. It created a world. I got to see the world. I got to experience so much in the world. And then after coming to faith in Christ, I got to take the gospel to the world. But I look back on that and I'm like, so much hung. On mama sitting on the front porch. And dad going, you can do this. Go bust your tail. You can play this game. You can do it. You can do it. I was like, You can do it. Let me transition. As parents, one of the things we've got to do in the culture in which we find ourselves living, this ain't the generation where they can get on the bike, ride their bike to a friend's house, play at the park, play in the creek, catch crawdads, and be gone all day and come back when the sun goes down. This is a twisted, perverted immoral world that we find ourselves living in. It is a culture saturated with humanism. It is a culture saturated with sexual immorality and pedophiles and ungodly media and even false teachers. It is our responsibility to try to keep our eyes on our kids. Let me see your phone. What do you want to see? It doesn't matter what I want to see. Give me your phone. Watching what they watch on TV, looking at what they use on their phone, 
And Liz, you helped us so much when you did that training here. And we probably, we got to do that again. With her law enforcement background and so many things that this girl has come out of and, and dealing with so much pedophilia and, and just perversion that happens out there, it's crucial. We, we, we've got to protect our kids. Sex trafficking, all this junk. And it's just so much corruption out there on the internet and just social media and well, my friend's got this app. Can I have this app? What app? I can promise you this. I don't know of one person that I do life with every day that tells me their life has increased in godliness because of social media. Let me go on out on that limb one more time. I don't know one person they can tell me they're closer to Christ, more intimate in their walk, walking with more holiness and purity because of social media. I don't know of one. If you find them, please introduce me to them. Because it takes us away. It's a distraction for so many. You better pay attention for what's going on. We would not allow our kids to Stay at certain people's house, even if we had met them. Until I know you and really know you and we do life together, you ain't going over there. And you want to talk about some arguments and fights? Well, can I spend the night? Not happening. Caleb Cash? Not happening. Why not? You can stay with Ethan. I love Neil. I love Lee. I love their family. Well, so-and-so wants me to spend the night. Let him keep wanting not going to happen until we know who they are. I don't trust until I know. And then you still may have some red flags, but I, I wanted to know. One of the other things I would tell you is you are encouraging and kind of monitoring. Try to be as relational as you can with your kids. Rules without relationship promote rebellion. If you don't have a strong relationship and you're just giving rules, but you're not involved, that can cause destruction. But in saying that, I think we have a better chance of parenting if we have good relationship. But make sure you're the parent and not the friend. Your children are not your co-equals. And I've had that conversation. When certain adults treat other younger people like they're co-equals, that's jacked up. Be relational. But we're focusing on character and not just your conduct. Conduct matters, but it's more of a character issue. It's revealing something. We're focusing on belief, not just behavior. And we're focusing on obedience and not compliance. Compliance may look like, but it's not. We've got to make sure we're obeying. Proverbs 22 says, train up a child in the way they should go, and when they get old, they will not depart. The word train up means to create a thirst in their mouth for the things of God. It is your job to create a salty taste so that they thirst for the things of God. Create a thirst in their mouth. Train them up in the way they should go, which literally means according to their God-given bent. Five kids, and none of them have been raised the same because they're all different. And for so many, we think, well, I've got these two, or I've got these three, or I've got these five. I can't believe the way this one acts versus that one. And that. They're masterpieces, not mass-produced. They might have come out of the same gene pool, but they've got their own unique DNA. And you'll see one kid get mad because, well, you didn't do that with them. They're not wired like you are. I have to treat one like, all right, this one's more like a toy poodle. I got to be kind, but I got another one. I'm like, I got to treat this one like a stinking Rottweiler. But I've got to treat this one like a golden retriever. And they're different. I use dogs instead of cats because all cats are deceptive. I had a buddy last night, we were hanging out, and uh, we were hanging out, and there's a few cats around my house, and my buddy looked at me, and he said, I am convinced 
Satan was a cat before he became a snake. <laughs> you walk in like a dog, I come over and want to lick you and like, what's up? Where you been? How was your day? Stinking cat, you walk in the room, they're like, why are you in here? And you have no clue what we've destroyed today. They do, they give you that look, right? That's the reason I use dogs and not cats as an illustration. And I know some of y'all, I love my cats. I'm glad you love your cats. Here's another thing in closing, and I'm sharing from the heart, because even as a parent and with grandkids, you know, with one and others coming, and it's like, man, it's work. I mean, the costly thing is not the money. The costly is the time, the energy, the emotions, and all that. that that's, that's where the cost is. It's like, whew, praise the Lord, they finally are asleep. You ever been there? <sighs> Man, I just, if I can get like six hours tonight, that would be so good. And I know my buddy Rick talks about Nora, who's got a little energy to her, and it's like, ah. Oh, trying to get her to sleep through the night, and she's so, we had those, man. We had a few of them like that. It's like, establish healthy boundaries. Make sure you model boundaries. We need boundaries in life. We need guardrails in life, and kids need boundaries. The older they get, it's kind of like a baseball field. When they're little, they're playing around home plate. By the time they reach middle school or whatever, you, you let them run the whole infield. And by the time they're in high school, hopefully they're running through the outfield and through the whole field. You, you increase the playing field with age, but it's like you got to have some boundaries. And for a child born into the world who is a self-seeking little sinner who thinks the world is about them, they need boundaries. And if you present the boundaries as preventions and not protections, they're going to fight you. But if they realize, if they can get to that place where they realize their protections and for their good, then maybe you can have some breakthrough. Here's a few thoughts on boundaries. Uh, model them yourself. Again, they learn more about what we do than what we say. Do you live with responsibility? Do you live with accountability? Do you follow through on your uh, commitments? You're telling them to be punctual. Are you punctual? You're telling them to do this. Do you do it? You're telling them to stay away from junk food. What you eating? How's your diet? How's your sleep? How's your exercise? How, how are you doing? Because again, you can't pass on and mandate what you're not modeling. They're going to call you out on it. I would tell you this. Make the boundaries, uh, make the boundaries clear. Here's what's going to happen if you do that, all right? And, and it's easier to inspect what you've already communicated that you expect, but if you don't communicate what you expect and you're holding them to or a standard, you can't hardly inspect it. You've got to communicate, hey, here's what, it, here's what you're going to do. And now you live under this house, there's some things you're going to do. My, my boy yesterday, Caleb, he was like, hey, going to take off, I'm going here, going there. I'm like, not happening. Not happening. You're going to go clean up that backyard because that little dog you've got, there is more piles of dog crap in that backyard than Payless uh, has shoes on their shelf right now. You're going to go clean that up before you go anywhere. Yes, sir. It ain't going to clean up itself. We got your dog. You got to clean them. And all them sticks and all those milk jugs and whatever she chews up, let's go clean it up before you go anywhere. And as soon as they say, well, I'll do it when I get back. They ain't no getting back, homie. You're doing it now. Let's do it. And, and to me, you, you just got to, we got to do it. Hey, here's the consequences that will take place. It's harder when they get older, I can't look at Hannah and go, give me your Barbie. I mean, she's 18 years old. They're, hold on, hold on. We've got to work through some stuff. There's consequences. We, we've got to work through that. There's got to be boundaries for their health. Here was a verse that changed and helped us in parenting. 
And if you're wise, I, I would write this one down and memorize it and really get the truth of it. But it's Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 11. And this is so good, Rena. It says, when the sentence for a crime is not quickly carried out, the hearts of the people are filled to do wrong. It's like, as a little boy growing up, young boy growing up, like if I had beat my sister up or was mean to my mom or whatever happened, I can promise you when that pickup truck drove into the driveway with all them sheetrock buckets on it and everything else, and mom told him they wouldn't sell phones and all this stuff back then, a dude has been out of control today. Hey, you go break me off a switch right now. This was the days before defects got called in because your dad loved you enough to discipline you. And nobody on the Little League team ever said, why have you got blood whelps on the back of your leg? They're like, you just toted one. What did you do wrong? They didn't hold my dad hostage for being mean. They held me accountable for being out of control. Imagine that. Imagine that. Hey, I'm not, I'm not doing this because I don't love you. It hurts me more than it hurts you. I, I love you, but you can't treat your mama and sister that way. When the sentence for a crime is not quickly carried out, the hearts of the people are filled to do wrong. And the longer you deny discipline, it's almost like, or should I say, the longer you delay discipline is as if you're denying discipline. That's the reason there's certain crimes that are committed, if you believe in death penalty or whatever, they need to have an express lane. You kill that dude, you did this. You don't get to go over and chill and eat free food for 18 years. If we're going to do it, do it. You go, you're callous. No, all I'm saying is when the crime, there's no consequences immediately. The hearts of the people say, hey, there's no punishment. There's no discipline for this. Be consistent. Is parenting hard? Yes. Do we want to see you win? Yes. Do I pray that even today encouraged you in a few areas as a teenager, as a child, but as a parent? Yeah. I want to see you win. I want to see you walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. I want to see you walk it out so that you have a chance to flourish in your walk with Christ and really love your neighbor as you should. Hey, thank you so much for watching the message. Uh, we hope that you really pulled some things out of it. And just know that our desire is for every person, whether you ever step in this building or not, to become fully alive in Christ. Yeah, we want to see you committed to Christ. We would love to see you connected to others in a small group. And we believe it's important to uh, become a contributing member to the body of Christ through uh, sharing your faith, uh, as well as financially investing in the work of God. That's right. And so we pray that you're growing, that you're striving forward. There's so many resources on the website. You can watch past messages, your testimonies from people. We pray that you utilize those. And we hope to see you on a Sunday morning. Hey, make it a great day and enjoy uh, the abundant life in Christ.